0: Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Ongazi Onoha. I'm a physician and health educator. Welcome to Health for Niger. Today, I have an incredible guest. I'm so happy to introduce today, Dr. Sophia Shabazz. Welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Welcome. So we're going to talk about direct primary care. But first, let me introduce dr sophia she is a fellow of the american academy of family physicians and owner of fountain medical associates this is a hybrid direct primary care practice specializing in the care of the whole person from childhood through adulthood her advice for health and long life is based on eating to live and establishing lasting habits that reduce the risk of death and disease. Love it. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I think this is a fantastic topic, direct primary care. It's kind of relatively newish, I would say, and growing, right? It is. It took me
1: a while, even as a physician, to figure out what it was. I couldn't figure out, like, isn't that what I'm doing already, providing care directly to patients? So, yes, yeah. it's worth explaining for two seconds how it's different from the regular care.
0: Yeah. So basically, um, I, I hear about it a lot. I know um, it's, it's, it's a good concept and it's thriving, In fact, Mm -hmm. just the other day, I saw an ad on my Facebook page from Jefferson actually advertising yes, direct primary care. I was so surprised. I think they called it personalized medicine. So Mm. tell me, how can patients benefit from direct primary care? So the I think the direct comes from the
1: direct being from the patient to physician and physician to patient as opposed to how things normally are. There's a third entity involved, which generally is the insurance company. So we have what we call a third-party payer system. And while that has its merits because it does help to like spread the
0: risk out when you need some of these advanced Hold expensive Hold on for treatment. one second. Okay. Hold on. All right, technical audio <laughs> issue. So, can you just rewind and repeat, please?
1: <laughs> sure. So, um, when we hear the term direct primary care, the direct refers to direct from the patient to the physician or other healthcare professional, and from the physician to the patient, where normally we have what's called, at least here in the States, we have this third party payer system where there's a third entity that really has the most control right now, and that's the insurance company. So direct primary care takes that entity out of the relationship, and the doctor and patient contract directly with one another for a yearly or monthly fee to provide primary care medical services. And the benefit of that is one, the cost of primary care really is quite affordable. And most of the cost of insurance doesn't have to do with primary care. In fact, primary care is what holds up the whole financial piece because it's the least expensive way to receive care or provide care. Um, But, When we, I guess an analogy would be if you had your auto insurance and every time you needed to get your oil changed or tires rotated, you put a claim on your auto insurance, pretty soon the auto insurance, it would seem like you're paying a lot for those services where it might be better to just pay directly for (laughs) oil change and tire rotation, routine maintenance of your vehicle. This is paying for routine maintenance of your body and gives you... Um, and your healthcare pro- professional, which you know, I think that it's ideal if that's a physician-led team of healthcare professionals. But by giving them the freedom to, um, you know, give the advice that they think is best for you, and not necessarily putting first place who's going to pay them, which is pro- usually not the patient <laughs> directly nice. nowadays.
0: Right. So it it is like a membership sort of thing. It's like a membership, right?
1: Right. And, you know, know. there's some technicalities about the the use of the term membership, but consider it that you're, you're prepaying for access to medical advice anytime you need it. So in the same way, if you bought a membership to a gym or Lifetime Fitness, I think they might charge 200 or more dollars a month for this really fancy gym um and you have access to it you're not there all the time but you can go there whenever you want and um with this membership or when you enroll in one of these services then you have access to the wealth of knowledge that all of us as physicians have when it comes to health and healthcare.
0: okay that's that's really good. So tell tell us about your own direct primary care uh, service. I'm I'm interested in hearing about what you do. So mine is what I it's called a
1: hybrid direct primary care practice because I decided for myself it really was important to me to be available to those patients that really need to rely on their government plans. So I do have a limited number of Medicaid uh, and Medicare patients that I care for because I, you know, I felt like that was important because not everybody has the flexibility to do that. But for most of us who you know, are, are, are working or have insurance through our jobs, then it really is a value proposition where if you want the convenience of being able to access your physician, because it allows me by contracting directly with patients, it frees me up to um, keep the practice going with a lower number of patients so that I don't have to do the treadmill thing or what is it hamster wheel I'm <laughs> not, a t- not a treadmill a hamster wheel where you know most of us in the regular system you get paid for just moving as many people as possible through the system whether that's 15 20 30 patients in a day then that really is where most of your pay comes from and that limits you know the amount of uh, chit chatting on the phone you might be able to do or if someone has a quick question you might with i might with my wealth of knowledge be able to quickly answer it but it's difficult to do that when those aren't the activities that you really get paid for um so when people kind of i don't like to have a transactional relationship with my patients i if they need to come back next week i want them to come back next week without regard to the cost for coming back next week or, um, you know, if we need to text back and forth, I would like to be able to provide them quick answers without worrying about, you know, the cost of that, either for them or the cost for me of, of you know, kind of just freeing out, poorly, free, freeing out poorly, mm, pouring out freely <laughs> That's okay. the information without some way of um, being paid for it because everything healthcare is such an expensive business i mean there's so much just to even be able to hang out your shingle that you do have to have some type of model that works and i think many people are walking around without access to any kind of health care at all there are lots of people who don't have any type of insurance right. many of them are um entrepreneurs you know there's a growing entrepreneur movement and if you Purchase healthcare on your own; it's pretty expensive. Right. And most of my patients currently do have some type of health insurance, but it isn't needed to receive the services that I provide. Most of the healthcare that people need is primary care, and it, you really couldn't beat that. For you know, my my service is twelve hundred dollars a year, and to pay a premium. To get access to primary care for that price, you really wouldn't be able to do it. Now, obviously, if you have one trip to the hospital, you'll want you'll wish you had regular health insurance, but um, some people have a choice between none and um, you know, paying for primary care and having access to primary care only, then that's a pretty good value, actually. You know, it's not ideal, but that's a great value because I, I take good care of my patients. I yes. really do.
0: Yes, I, I think this is really good information. Um, you are amazing. You're an amazing physician. And I think the work you're doing is very important because. Um, there are tons of people who don't have insurance, and there are lots of people who have jobs. Maybe they work for themselves and they don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. And insurance is health insurance is quite expensive. And you know, some people just buy catastrophic care, health insurance, which doesn't allow them to attend primary care prevention visits right. and exactly. do routine things. So, So in your concept, so the $1,200 for the year membership, and then when they come in for appointments, do they still have to pay for those visits? No. Okay. No, it's not transactional. Mm -hmm. They they get access
1: to whatever care they need from me for a year. So if they, you know, I set my patients up with an app, I've been using a, um, And there are a lot of different services like this. I've been using one called Spruce, which I find is really convenient, where if patients sign up for the service, they can text me, ask a question. You know, my patients tend to be pretty respectful. It sounds really intimidating for a lot of doctors if you say patients have access 24 hours a day, but when they have access 24 hours a day, they don't have a, a uncomfortable feeling that they have to, you know, make an unnecessary call in the middle of the night in order to reach someone directly, you know? So I have honestly, most of my patients have had the, I mean, have had the ability to reach me most of the time. I've, I've mostly carried my own call even before I transitioned to um, direct primary care. And my patients know that I, I have their back, so they are pretty respectful about <laughs> in the middle of the night but they can text if they need me, they can call, they can reach out to my office and talk to my staff. Sometimes, you know, during the day, if you're having regular visits, I would obviously be less responsive to a call or a text message. I'm sure if you were in the exam room with your doctor, you wouldn't want them to be looking at their phone. <laughs> to That's see true. Uh, calling, I, the only, only excuse uh, that I have is, if my children are calling me you know then i'll I'll announce that and ask for forgiveness (laughs) but uh other than that you never know what's happening inside so i just put the phone to the side but um yeah if you think you you are a physician dr ngozi so you know so much and people who know you they call you all the time for like advice that they would ask their doctor if they could reach them easy Right. But they ask you because (laughs) they ask you because they know you and they they know you could probably get them uh, pointed in the right direction because of your knowledge and experience. So if if they had an easy way to do that with their own doctor, I'm
0: sure they would. Yeah. Yeah. So what you described, Sophia, is more like a community. It's like a village because it is. Yeah, it's a village because you have a cap, isn't it? You don't have an infinite number of people that you can bring on to your practice, isn't it? You have a cap. um, And once you reach that cap, you're really not taking any more uh, patients on board because it's like serving a small village, right? Right. Um, So it's, it's personalized medicine, isn't it? Because... Uh, the patients, I think knowing that they have access to you 24-7, I think they might be a little bit bit considerate of of you and of your time. And the fact that they have easy access, so they know, oh, yeah, I can call my doctor anytime. Right. And that is the freedom in healthcare that direct primary care brings. So the other question I have is more like, okay, if someone is interested in being your patient and they pay the membership fees so how about things like um, blood work and tests or do you see people who also have insurance and then maybe the insurance if they have insurance and insurance covers for testing and if they have to go see specialists what happens then
1: right now most of the people who are enrolled in my service do have health insurance so their health insurance picks up those um, labs etc but we've also contracted directly with the lab for discounted prices and you'd be amazed at how little it costs for basic labs when you're paying the contracted fee you know so, for most studies, you know, typical routine labs, you can get definitely for less than a hundred dollars. Like a metabolic panel is only $7 or something in that range where it sounds daunting when you get the bills, when the way that the charges go out to insurance and they hustle down the price. And that's why that happens. It's really a perverse system where the doctor's offices the lab or even the hospital, the prices are really inflated because the insurance companies are going to chop the price down by so much. They inflate the price so that they can come to settle at a reasonable price for what was done. But I think there's actually laws where they have to charge you the same price. So you get a bill that's twice as much as the Lab or a doctor's office, whatever, really expect to receive from the insurance company, but they've got to charge you the same price that they would charge insurance companies. So it just ends up being like a, a bad cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you just pay the discounted fee, it's you know it just works out to be a lot less expensive. Yeah. And. And you mentioned something else too about like the catastrophic plans, like the high deductible plans. We, my family chose that a number of years back because we, my daughter had an injury that landed her in the children's hospital for a couple of days. And it was around the time when we were doing open enrollment. And normally we would just, you know, pick the most expensive plan. Like we're not going to cut corners when it comes to healthcare, but That year I said to my husband who happens to work in the financial industry and I said, wait a minute, let's actually do the math to see how much would it have cost us if we had the high deductible plan and still ended up in the hospital where you you definitely are gonna reach the maximum uh, amount of the deductible. And when we did the math, it still would have been less expensive for us to pay a lower premium and just pay out of pocket for the things that we ended up needing for that year. So that's something that many people can look into where you, get, you might then get to be able to choose. Well, instead of paying an extra $2,000 a year on this premium, I can get in this lower cost plan and I can decide to spend, you know, out of pocket on my primary care because that's where I go most of the time anyway. So it's a different way of looking at things. I don't think most people really understand their options when it comes to health insurance. Um, It's pretty cut and dry. If you have no health insurance, you know, versus having excess, then people understand that a little bit easier. But even people who have insurance find that they're paying so much for care they may not ever use and still have to pay every time they use it.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, the, the thing with health insurance, um, it's a very complex, I think, complex decision because there are so many choices. Mm-hmm. But then if you don't make the right choice, you end up really shortchanging yourself financially right um and the thing with catastrophic health insurance it's basically health insurance that covers only emergencies so it doesn't really cover routine care right and so if you have someone who has um chronic medical conditions and they have catastrophic health insurance only and they're not covered um they kind of get stuck with a lot of -of out-of-pocket expenses so um, I think we can really sit and talk about health insurance for for two hours, right. and we still won't have a good solution or recommendation for people. But I think it pretty much depends on their age, um, right. re- health risk factors, comorbidities, family history. Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of
1: people who their ability to work is um, you know, physically Mm -hmm. is their biggest financial resource. And I I just had a patient the other day who has diabetes and, you know, this patient, if they had a period of time where they didn't have access to primary care to manage their diabetes, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to work because their type of employment requires that their diabetes be under control. Um, so it might seem like an extra expense or something that, you don't have time for but for many people it's actually the the thing behind what allows you to even work nice. so you know that we have to prioritize our physical selves like put your own oxygen mask on first and um by redirecting people to their primary care physician instead of urgent care or right. emergency room that many times you can, you know, make a huge difference in people's health. I think that actually is probably why my patients in terms of the pandemic, I didn't have any of my patients that I actually treated. I had one patient in my entire practice who succumbed to coronavirus illness and, and passed away. So sorry. But even that patient, you know, I think they, their family probably didn't realize that they could call me. You know, so they didn't actually reach out, but the those of my patients that reached out and we were able to, even if we needed to send them to the hospital, having access to primary care to be able to even identify, hey, you know, I think you're not doing so well and maybe before things get too bad, you know, head on over so that you can get some of the treatments or just even knowledge of the different treatments that were available, whether that was antibody therapy, etc. I think that went a long way like access to primary care, I believe was a huge risk factor or benefit factor if you had access um, in terms of how people fared with um, the pandemic. So um, all of these things are so important. and that relationship that you develop and understanding the individual patient in front of you and what motivates them and what drives them. And sometimes that takes time to develop that relationship. It takes time to teach people about uh, dietary interventions or other lifestyle interventions that can help them to manage their condition. And it's difficult to take that time if we're just we're rushed because we have to get the next person um in and out and with direct primary care it's a way that people can turn back the clock to their um memory of or fantasy of what things really used to be like with that primary care or family doctor relationship so i value that
0: Yeah. So, you know, what I'm hearing is from you is um, prioritizing your health, really adding value to yourself. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing. And I think that, you know, back to the issue with insurance, you know, people who have great insurance tend to be employed. And then you find that because they're employed in full-time work, they really don't have the time to take off, to actually utilize that insurance. So you realize when I worked full time, um, I I had the best insurance. I call it the Mercedes Benz of insurance, (laughs) (laughs) but I could not use it because I did not have any time off to go to the doctors. So, wouldn't
1: you have been able to make time to have a telehealth visit or text your doctor if
0: you had a question? You still would have time to do that. No, no, No? not (laughs) telehealth wasn't really um, an an option at the time. You know, a lot of it wasn't direct primary care. Right, it It wasn't wasn't direct direct. primary care because it 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 didn't matter what the insurance would pay for. So DPC (laughs) practices were doing telehealth long before the pandemic yeah no it wasn't it was a regular practice that um you know was very you know highly regarded but really didn't have these services and half i couldn't use it because they had hours like nine to four Mm -hmm. and by the time i was done from work, work work the place was closed so right um i couldn't access anything and so i i I was paying premiums, you know, you do pay a little bit, your employer pays most of it, but you do pay. And mm-hmm. I couldn't access this wonderful and beautiful health insurance that had all the uh, bells and whistles. So of what use <laughs> right. was it to me? <laughs> like, And that's what I find. You, you see a lot of people that have full time jobs, uh, right. they work nine to five, and they cannot access care. You see? So, in the traditional. I'm
1: jaded about jobs in general. Of course, I hope my employees give their all when they are with me and I want them to be fully engaged. But there is a balance because, in the end, most companies are not going to shut down if your health declines or you fall out dead on the floor. They're probably not going to shut down just because you out that in the floor so you have to prioritize your family might not be the same they would really be you know changed forever so we had to start to divvy out our time on the things that really matter and it it could be a difficult balance because you need to work and you know as a community a society we rely on one another to do our individual jobs well but people have to stop sacrificing their health.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes, I I, I mean, I agree. I've had to tell some people that, look, um, if your job, you don't have vacation time and you 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 just have to take a day off because, right, you know, health is like money in the bank. Right. You know, without work, if your if your health is not right, you cannot be productive and it, 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 I think we really need to prioritize our health I know the people who are listening to this who they haven't gone for their checkups they Can haven't gone it? for <laughs> for their vaccines their, their routine screenings you know uh, they're listening to this they know they need to take a day off and get their Man. health checked so uh, let's get back to you Dr. Sophia. I really have enjoyed this conversation on the direct primary care and you've explained your hybrid uh, model of direct primary care. And tell me how people can find you.
1: They can find me online at fountainmedonline.com. And if they are interested in learning more about direct primary care, they can click right on that direct primary care tab where I have you know all of the information broken down maybe too much information <laughs> but um, they can also call us um, call over to the office or email us so that they can get um, a verbal explanation to speak with my office manager and um, decide if it's the right fit for them and uh yes i look forward to hearing from and and serving those patients who are interested or, you know, even if there are people who are interested in a direct primary care practice that is more in their geography, if people are listening from afar, they have a, um, gosh, I don't know the website off the top of my head. I think it's called DPC Frontier, where you could look online and find a direct primary care practice near you. And um, some of them are small, some of them are large, but (laughs) there you'll find it tends to be a group of doctors who they think outside the box you know they are not um medical
0: robots (laughs) well well having said that i mean i just saw like i said i saw on uh, my facebook that jefferson is offering direct primary care so that is because
1: (laughs) patients i guess because they've seen that it is um, becoming more popular with uh, patients. I'm not sure how well a large entity like that could um, do the same thing, but I guess it's sort of like uh, Marriott starting to have an Airbnb type service, you right. know, you see a good thing and they get
0: on it. <laughs> I know. I, I thought, wow, this is, I, I, when I saw that, I thought, okay, so I'm waiting for the other hospitals to jump on. and. Uh, the I thing guess... is,
1: hospitals aren't in the business of like <laughs> making less money, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that's going to work out because that's just not how they're set up. They're
0: not set up to keep people out of the hospital. They get paid when people are in the bed. Yeah, they're they're probably going to get paid from the ancillary services because if Mm -hmm. their doctors are ordering the images and blood work and they're going to get done in-house, so that's probably going to be one of the ways they're going to bring in revenue into those uh, big uh, octopus hospitals, I call them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, sometimes you need an octopus hospital if you get some unusual diagnosis that Mm -hmm. only three people in the whole
0: country know what to do about it, then I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think we're very fortunate in the area. We have some amazing um, teaching hospitals. You know, they really tend do. to buy up a lot of practices around them. So
1: right. that's Philadelphia why. Philadelphia is not a bad place to be sick. If you right. Have to be sick. It's actually,
0: I mean, it, we have amazing, I mean, just within a 10 mile radius of the city, you have about of five or more solid teaching hospitals, and uh, right. I think I think this area is blessed in that way. And a lot of doctors actually go through training here. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. most of them don't stay; they head out to uh, better times. And uh... <laughs> I'm I'm Philadelphia
1: born and raised, so I've tried to leave, but so far I have been unsuccessful at staying wherever I went.
0: <laughs> so I'm a Philly transplant now. You know, I'm originally from Nigeria, and I get to play. Is in Philly and they just remind me of home so much. Oh, yeah, I mean, maybe
1: that's why I love it so much. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> it really has a very home feel. You know, I go into parts of town I'm like, oh wow, this feels like back home. So, um, yeah, I've been here 20 years and I love the city. Uh, I've made it my home now. So, and it
1: loves you back. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's, that's actually our tagline for the practice
0: Fountain Medical Associates, the family practice that loves you back. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So I really enjoyed having you on, on here and I'd like to invite you again and we'll tackle some more topics in the healthcare space. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot from it, and I think it has demystified for me direct primary care because I used to hear about it and it felt really daunting for me because I thought, oh, it's really expensive. Oh, no, you know, but now the way you've broken it down, you made it so easy. And I hope that my uh, the viewers, the audience listening, they'll understand it a little bit more. It's really adding a little bit more value to your yeah. health. You pay for that little extra service. You know, it's like you go to the Four Seasons Hotel and you want that little extra. Um, right. l- let's say, can I call it luxury medicine? It's really a little bit extra, Right. Right. Well, I guess
1: primary care maybe concierge is the Four Seasons hotel. Yes, you know, they might yes. they might charge quite a bit more than twelve hundred dollars for the year. But you know, maybe in not the Four Seasons, but more like you know a Marriott.
0: Yeah. Okay. You you pay the Marriott price, <laughs> but, but not you the, get motel the four, Yeah. You get you get the Four Seasons service kind of thing, right? Because you are getting uh you are getting good value. You have access yeah. to your doctor. I mean it's that is like to me that is luxury healthcare right? right yeah that's luxury healthcare so thank you so much before we head out just one more thing from you one pearl of wisdom can you share just one pearl of wisdom with the audience it can be anything <laughs> well i guess i'll share a
1: pearl about one of my Uh, favorite medical topics to talk about. When I spoke about this when I was in residency, I gave a presentation and I got slammed by the nutritionist that that was a terrible idea. And now as the science has evolved, I think she may be more on my side. But I want to send people to go and do a little research about intermittent fasting where people modify their dietary pattern. And it's apparently it's the closest thing to the fountain of youth that we have. So that would be my little um, inside tip there about how people can narrow the window every day where they take in food or other calories and learn about how that can benefit your health and possibly minimize the need for medications.
0: Thank you so much for that. It's, um, there was a recent article on intermittent fasting. And one of my podcasts also talks about that. And okay. I think the sort of the nicest one is the 12, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Which makes sense because you're, you're sleeping anyway. So right, <laughs> right. it's, a, it's like an 8P to 8A. Yeah, you can drink lots of fluids. I did do a podcast on it. So I will put it in the Great. link in bio. So... Thank you so much, Dr. Thank you. Sophia Shabazz. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and I, I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. You do the same. Thank you. Thank you.